We have a brand new series starting up this weekend right here. And so I'm pumped about it because it really is true. It's not just something we picked out of the air. It's something that we've modeled over time. And it's something that we want people to know. And that is that we are, I want you to say it with me. I'm going to say for this city, say it with me. We are for this city. We are, we're for this city. We are for this city. We're for the Gulf Coast. We're for Gulf Breeze, Pensacola, Pensacola Beach, Navarre, Fort Walton, Cantonment. Let's go. We are for this city. And we want to be known for what we're for. You know, when I grew up in church, we were known for everything we were against. We were against this and this and this and this and this and this. Start counting your toes and this and this and this and this and this and this. We're against so much. And, and we want this city to know what we're for. And what we're for is this city. And so I'm pumped to jump in. This is going to be week one of a four-week series. And I'm super excited. We're going to talk about, hey, we are for this city. So we're going to talk about this week. We're going to pray for the city. My goal, my goal, even if you've never prayed, my goal, if you're a prayer warrior, my goal, if you used to be a prayer warrior and have fallen off the saddle, my goal is that every one of us would begin to pray for this city that you would begin to pray for your community. You'd begin to pray for your neighborhood. You'd begin to pray. And even if you're like, I don't know what all to say, that's okay. You know, um, sometimes God prays for us even when we don't know what to say. When we don't know how to create and shape and form a prayer. Scripture says that God prays for us. Isn't that a cool thing? I'm like, God, if you could only take my test for me like that. He like, he doesn't know, just give him that. He needs a hundred. But, but he prays for us. And so we're going to pray for the city and then we're going to talk about loving the city next week. You don't want to miss this loving the city. God has called us to love the city. So someone say, pray for the city. city. Someone say, love the city, love this city. city. Now someone say, serve the city, serve Serve this city. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that next three weeks. And then my buddy, pastor Zach white from revolution church, all the way in San Antonio. Texas is going to be here on the fourth week and he's going to close out this series and we're going to celebrate everything that happened. Now that leads me up to this. We are getting ready for love week. We'll talk more about this a little bit later, but love week, love week, love week. I want to cast some quick vision. Love week is how we love the city. It's how we serve the city. Love week is what we do after we have prayed for this city. And so what we do, man, right now we have 39 opportunities and we have 30, 39 more that are pending and we should hear back from them this week. But this is where we go to businesses. This is where we serve single parents. This is where we partner with our military and serve spouses where the other spouses are deployed. This is where we come alongside of foster families and man, we do so much. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go to our website, momentumchurch.org. It's pretty simple. It's memorable. It's portable. You can take it with you. Momentumchurch.org. I want you to go on there and I want you to sign up for Love Week. And so we partner with great, 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 great organizations. Sometimes we're like, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes you just look and see where a problem is and, and you go to work. Sometimes you see that there's already people there going to work. And so you just partner with them. We've got great partners, um, Habitat for Humanity. We've got Mana. We've got um, Lows and Fish. There's, there's so much that we're going to partner and just serve. I love, I mean, some of, the, some of the pictures that I love is where we see kids with their parents. And we plan this on purpose for when school gets out because we want your kids We want your teenagers to serve. See, it's so easy for us and even young people to just think about like, man, my life is all that matters. And if you're ever struggling, if you're ever in a bad place, the best advice I could say is take your eyes off of yourself and put them on someone else. And all of a sudden you'll start to level up. All of a sudden you'll start to feel 
better because this world is full of hurting people out there. And so, man, we're gonna serve businesses. We're gonna cook food. We're gonna serve, serve, serve. We're gonna get out in yards, do yard work. We're gonna do so much. And then at the very end, we're gonna talk about how many volunteers and how many hours and how many dollars we invested, right? Because like, I don't wanna just spend my time. I don't wanna waste my time. I wanna invest my time for something that will outlast me. Are you with me? I was in the Word today, and it's a good place to be. I was in the Word, and I was reading, and in Psalms, I was reading Psalm 45 and going, Psalm 44 and Psalm 45, and the Word struck me when it said, man, let these words, let these words like stick for generations. Let these acts of worship last for generations. And so listen, when you and I serve the Lord, we don't realize sometimes what hangs in the balance. Sometimes it's more than a moment. Sometimes it's more than a lifetime. Sometimes it's a couple lifetimes where what God did last. And it not only lasts, it grows bigger. It gets more traction. And so Love Week is simply our response to going to where the people are. See, Jesus, Jesus said, hey, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. But Jesus also told us to go to people. And so if we just say, hey, come to church, come to church, we're not just like Jesus, because Jesus also went to people. Are you with me? And so Love Week is us moving in towards our community to love them. And sometimes that's the first thing that has to happen in someone's life before they can even begin to think about believing in a God. And so these hands and these feet, they were made to serve, man. Jesus said, I've come to serve, not to be served. And this church has a serving heart. And so I just want to tell you, this is one of my most favorite times of the year where we get to go serve people. Saved people serve people. Would you say that with me? Save people serve people. What, what are you talking about, Pastor Tim? I'm talking about if you're a Christian, if Jesus has saved you from your sin, we got any Christians here. I mean, you have been rescued. You have been redeemed. You have been transformed, man. You have been picked up out of the miry clay. You've been placed up on a rock, not a pebble, on a rock, man. Jesus rescued you. You were stuck. You were trapped in that old lifestyle. And Jesus said, no, 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 I got bigger plans for you. I got something better for you, man. You using this for the world, but I gave you that gift to use this for me, for my kingdom, for my purposes. And then all of a sudden he calls us. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new identity. He gives us a new eternity. He gives us, he gives us a new peace. He gives us a new joy. He, he gives us so much new because we are made new. And then all of a sudden people are supposed to look at us and be like, man, what you got? I want what you have because we are salt and salt makes people thirsty. So when we love the world will know that we're his disciples. And so Love Week, in a time, in a day, in an age where I, I tell you, honestly, I can't think of a better time now than for the church to flex. I, think, I can't think of a better time than now for the church to love. You know, it's not gonna be one on Facebook. It's not gonna be one in the White House. It's not. It's going to be one in God's house. It's going to be one in God's temple. And if you're a Christian, you're the temple of God and God dwells inside of you and he wants to shine so bright. And the devil wants you to think, ah, oh, God can't use you. Devil wants you to believe God can't use me. I messed up too much, man. That's who God picks. Are you with me? I better get to the message because this is all like appetizer stuff. We, we like just laid down five appetizers right here. We ain't brought out the steak yet. Let's go. We still got dessert today. Are somebody, somebody expected today? Are you ready to receive what God has for you today? I'm excited, man. I got the word of God burning inside of me and I'm ready to serve it. I'm telling you, I'm coming in hot like a fajita, baby. Let's go. A Texas fajita. Let's go for this city. Pray for this city. We're in Nehemiah chapter one. Last week, we talked about Esther. We talked about Esther and you're going to remember some of this because it's going to overlap. Artaxerxes was a Persian king. He, he, his throne was in uh, Susa. That, that was, that was in Iran. 
Iran, and he was big man on campus. He's the most powerful man in the entire world. And he ruled and he dictated and he was wealthy. But if you go back about a hundred years, there was a Babylonian captivity. And what happened was what would be modern day Iraq, they came in and the Babylonian empire came in and they literally ransacked God's people, God's city, Jerusalem. They took God's leaders, destroyed God's temple, and they hauled everybody off with them. So that's why we talked about how Esther and Mordecai, remember that? Mordecai was her uncle. Remember, they were still, they were far from Jerusalem. They were more east, all the way in this capital, Susa. Why? Because when the Hebrew children, the Jews, when they were captured and taken away, and they were taken away because of their disobedience. Lesson there is God always knows how to get our attention. They, they thought, man, our walls are pinnable. Man, we're tough. We can't be beat. And, and then all of a sudden, God's like, no. And, um, and so through all these years, God's chosen people were scattered. They were scattered. And for about 100 years, they were trickling back to Jerusalem. And as they were coming back to Jerusalem, they were tripping in and um, stumbling all over themselves. Now, let's help me out, would you? I want you to think about the last time that you were walking and all of a sudden the carpet reached up, grabbed your foot and tripped you. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened, man? You're like doing so good. And then all of a sudden, it's like one of these moments. I was at a gas station one time and a lady was in heels and she got out of her car. And ladies, I don't know how you do it. I'm not making fun of y'all. I promise y'all. I'd, oh my God. I'd have broken ankles every day. She got out. She's in heels. She's walking. And I, I don't know if like the bottom of her shoe broke. I think that sometimes happens like the sole or whatever, but it like snapped and she, oh yeah. And so, and then she, like she got up, got herself together. And then she looked around, you know, to see who was looking, you know, I was looking down. I'm like, I'm not paying attention. I did not see that, but I'm praying for you. God help you. It's embarrassing. I've done that before. You've done that before. The Jews were stumbling all over themselves. They were trying to get worship back together. They were trying to get people to come back. They're having a hard time. They're having a hard time getting everything, the systems, the structure, getting things right. In fact, there was like this new normal and they just didn't like it. They just wanted to go back to normal because they just didn't like this. This was not like that. And it's in this context that we pick up Nehemiah chapter one. Nehemiah chapter one. Let's go there. We're going to read the chapter together. And um, let's pick up verse one. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at, this is Nehemiah speaking, I was at the fortress of Susa, same place. And Daniel also, here's what's interesting. The book of Daniel also records the same similar time as this time right here. So he says, he says, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hen and I, one of my brothers came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. Now, again, it's been about a hundred year gap. And Nehemiah says, man, hey, give me the down low. What's, what's going on? What is happening? Verse three, they said to me, things are not going well. Let's just stop there for a second. Because this text is from a long time ago. But this text is applicable to today because for some of us, we're in a season where the truth is you would say the same thing of your marriage. You would say the same thing of your emotional health right now. You'd say the same thing about your relationships. You could say the same thing about like your business 
and what's happening. You could say the same thing at the job, like the, the culture is just different and people are just different. And, and all of a sudden, man, it's just, it's just different and things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, his brother said, they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. So the walls were down. The walls being down meant that anyone could come and ransack them, and they did. That's one of the reasons why things weren't good. That's one of the reasons why they were struggling, because the walls were down. And people would come in, and people would take whatever they wanted, do whatever they wanted to do, and they would say, thank you very much. They would leave only to return and do it over and over and over again. And then not only that, the gates, the gates symbolize the security. You had the walls, then you had the gates, and we could watch the gate, we could protect the gate, we could see who's coming, we could let people in, we could let people out, we could not let people in. The gates, the gates represented the flow, and the flow was burned. The gates had been Burn. Things just weren't the same. I want to ask you a question. What do you do when things aren't the same? What do you do when things are not only not the same, they're worse than they were before? What do you do? Well, Nehemiah hears all of this. And all of a sudden, he starts getting pain. I, I bet you money, man. He starts having some pains in his chest. It's hurting him. Why? These are his people. And he's hurting because his people are hurting. He's broken because they're broken. And so verse four says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, so what did he do? He heard and then he sat down. You know, sometimes the best thing we can do is take a moment. When we have problems, when we have pain, the last thing we want to do is, is think about the purpose of it, hear about the purpose. Don't, don't encourage me, man. I don't want encouragement right now. I want to sit in my pain. You with me? Can I tell you that God never wastes your pain? Can I tell you there's purpose in your pain? And I don't know where you are in your journey of life, but if you live long enough, you're going to experience pain. If you live long enough, you're going to experience heartache. If you live long enough, you're going to see people around you that are, things are happening and you're like, that is not fair, but there's purpose in the pain. And he sits in the pain. He hears and he sits and then he weeps, you know. It says he, he wept. In fact, for days he mourned. You know what that's like? That's not a little tear. You know, that's, that's not watching a movie. And it's like, oh, this is just so good. I just can't watch. Stop watching this. Honey, come here. Honey, come here. I'm going to call my girlfriends afterwards. Just, that was so, oh my goodness. No, no, no. No, I'm talking about like weeping. I'm talking about like when, when it doesn't sound pretty. Mourning where you don't even want to eat. The last thing you're thinking about is eating because you are grieving. And he hears, and what he hears hurts. I bet there are people watching online right now and you have heard something recently and what you heard hurts you. But God cares about you. You're not alone. There's purpose in your pain. Nehemiah sits, he sits, he weeps, he mourns, and then he fasts. What does it mean to fast? To fast means that I give up some type of food for an amount of time, that's a biblical fast, when you give up some type of food for a certain amount of time, and it's not just giving it up, because that would be a diet, it's replacing it with prayer. So it literally is raising the belief raising the um, dependence on the Holy Spirit of God. 
to do what you can't do. Have you ever been in a place before where you're like, God, I don't know what to do. I put so many applications out there. Everyone says they're hiring, but I can't get a call. You ever been in a place where you're fighting, fighting, fighting for your marriage and it just doesn't seem to work out? You ever been in a place where that roommate and you used to get along and now all of a sudden, man, y'all just want to choke each other out? Nehemiah sits in a place of pain and he sees what's going on and he weeps and he, he, he fasts. Now, when you fast, you go further. You fast forward. And so I would encourage you, if you're here and, and you need breakthrough, I'm believing God for breakthrough. This is, uh, this is a Saturday right now as I'm speaking live. There are people watching live right now. People watch this tomorrow. It'd be Sunday, but it was Saturday. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. I'm believing God for breakthrough in this church. Bigger than this church, though, I'm believing God for breakthrough in this city. I believe my God is so big. I believe God wants to fill this section. I believe he wants to fill this section. I believe he wants to fill this section and this section and this section and this section and all the balcony and all behind the curtains. I believe God wants to. I believe God is able to. And sometimes you gotta be in the middle of some pain to identify that there was a purpose for the pain. The pain shows us there's a problem. So be thankful for the pain. And it's in the pain that we realize, wait a second, God has a purpose. And God's purpose always prevails, even in my pain. In fact, it's in the middle of our pain where we discover God's purpose is for us, not against us. When it's easy to think in the middle of my pain that God's against me. I mean, Nehemiah thought, my God, God, if you were for us, how do you know that? Well, keep on reading. Let's look. So he sits down, he prays, he fasts, he gives up food, he prays, and he prayed to the God of heaven. Then he said, oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him. If you love him, that means you too. And obey his commands. If you obey him, I'm talking about you too. What does he do? He goes and he starts to talk to God and he opens up with praise. He starts praising God. What does it mean to praise God? It's like, oh man, I got a new car. Praise God. No, no, that's like, thank God. Praise God is when I'm like, God is all powerful. God is sovereign. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Praise is when I magnify, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Praise is when I magnify, I'm not making God bigger, God is just getting bigger to me. It's when all of a sudden I realize who he is and I realize how small I am. Praise is when I look up to heaven and say, who, who are we, who is man that you would even think of us? And I begin to praise him for who he is. And if I do that, you know what happens? God inhabits his praise. And Nehemiah knew this. So Nehemiah didn't start off with the problem. Sometimes we go to God and the problem's so big, we're just like, oh God, and we right into the problem. Your kids ever bust in your room? I know that doesn't happen to y'all. That's just at our house. They just come on in. You might be taking a shower, brushing your teeth in your underwear. You know what I'm saying? And they just come on in like it's their bedroom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They just, they, they, you know, sometimes you hear them, them coming. Other times you're like, how'd you get in here? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? And what do we tell them to do? No, no, no. You need to what? Get out. Get out. And someone said, get out. <laughs> That's funny. Get out. Mom and I were kissing. Get out. Hey, hey, if they're, if they're like teenagers, just start kissing. You only have to tell them to leave. They'll be like, oh, God. I'm like, how do you think you got here, brother? Oh, oh dear. <laughs> they said, no, go back out and knock. You know what praise does? Praise knocks the door down. That's what praise does. Praise knocks the door down. 
when God hears the door knocking of praise, he says, come on in to my presence. Come on in. Come on in. What you need? What you need? What you need is nothing because I got it all. What do you need? I got what you need. What do you need? How can I bless you? How can I bless you? And so this is what we pick up on. And he begins to praise God and magnify God. And he says this. Now watch. He says, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. He's praying for this city. Not much of it exists anymore. But he knows that God makes beautiful things out of the dust. He knows that all you need is Jesus to go. Just the breath of God. Make dead, dry bones get up and dance. Bring the dead back to life. Cause the lame to walk. The blind to see. The deaf to hear. The dumb to speak. Are you with me? We just, just the breath of God. What do you need the breath of God on? What seems so yesterday, yesteryear? What seems dead in your life? Let me ask this question. What's dead in our community that God wants to breathe on? You know why? Because God's for this city. He's for this city. I believe with all my heart, God sees all the children who don't have fathers. I believe God wants to breathe right there. I believe God sees sickness. You know, I read my Bible, he healed people. I believe God wants to breathe there. I do. I believe God looks over and sees the hate and the fighting, the, the meanness, the cruelty. I believe God wants to breathe right there. And you know who God chooses? He chooses us. He's looking for a man to stand in the hedge, in the gap. And he's looking. Nehemiah was available. The question is, are we? He says, look down, see me praying day and night for your people, Israel, your people. Got to remember whose people they are. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Remember Job, when I preached about Job, scripture says that Job would get up and he would offer sacrifices and he would pray forgiveness over his family, over his children. God, I don't know what they did today. Lord, we both know what they did yesterday. But God, I'm, I'm laying up mercy. I'm storing up mercy for tomorrow, Jesus. Hey, men, pray for your families. Mom and dad, pray over your kids. God, have mercy on them. God, I don't, hey, they're, they're running from God. Pray. See, when we pray, we, when we pray, prayer can do whatever God can do. And prayer, prayer is this weapon. Prayer, prayer is this weapon that we sing about, we talk about, we preach about, we just don't do. If we did, things would be different. We get so busy. What if Nehemiah had been too busy to pray? Someone once said, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. And this isn't a shame on you. This is, this is like, this is, we all get sucked into this, man. Life, get, we got this and this and this. But this speaks of the priority of prayer. You need to make prayer a priority in your life. You need to schedule it. You need to make it a non-negotiable. Like church, man. If I'm not on vacation, if I'm not traveling, speaking, I'm here. It's a non-negotiable. You're like, you're the pastor. True. But we're both his sons and daughters. And last time I checked, it didn't say if you're a pastor, be faithful. Oh, I wish I had me an organ right here, boy. It's required that a man be found faithful. It's required that a woman be found faithful. And Nehemiah was faithful, so he prays over these people. We finish here. I love this, though. Oh, this gets good. Someone say, there's purpose in my pain. I want you to turn to the person beside you, look at him, and say, there's purpose in my pain. You may not know it yet. You may not understand it yet. You may not have a handle, a grip on it yet, but there's purpose in your pain and God never wastes pain. Never wastes pain. So he's praying. He's praying forgiveness over his country. What if, church, look here, what if we began praying forgiveness over this city? 
What if all the things that have happened in this city, all the things that we can't stand, all the things that irritate us, bother us, scare us, all the things that we're like, oh man, this just, man, there's a holy discontent in me. This fires me up. What if we went to God? What if we sat in that pain and realized that there's purpose in the pain? And what if we realized that God never wastes our purpose? Because God never wastes our pain. In fact, God leverages my pain for his purpose. He leverages my pain for his purpose. And Nehemiah is sitting in pain and he's like, God, this ain't funny. Look at all this, God. The, the city's destroyed, God. It's been a hundred years. It's been about a century, God. And we are no better than we were a hundred years ago. And he begins to plead with God because if God doesn't do something, when was the last time that you and I got that serious with God that we're like, God, if you don't do something, I'm stuck. If you don't do something, God, and that's where he went and that's where he stayed for days. He mourned, he prayed and he fasted. And when you fast, you fast forward. Because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And Jesus said, when you pray and when you fast and when you give, he never said if. Right. Church sometimes thought he said if. If you pray, if you give, and if you fast. But he said, no, when you pray. Right. Because you're Christ-like, you're a Christian. Right. You're a follower of me, you're a disciple. I've taught you how to pray. Remember disciples, Lord, teach us to, to pray. They didn't say teach us how to pray. They said, Jesus, we too busy to pray. We're too busy, Jesus. We got all these people. We got all this ministry, Jesus. We got these offices and positions, Jesus. Jesus. We just got too much going on to pray. But Jesus kept praying. He would get up early in the morning and go pray. He'd sneak out and go pray. He'd get to a quiet place. He'd go pray. What if the church prayed for this city? What might God do? What might God change? What might God break in this city? Want to see this place filled up? Want to see Gulf Breeze filled up? Want to see miracles happen? God can do it. God wants to do it. God can still do it. He doesn't favor one over another. He doesn't favor that year of this. Yeah, well, that year, 1978 was my favorite. Stephanie Joy Davenport was born that year. So that was one of my favorite years. No, no, God, no, no. God's no respecter of persons. If God does it in Dallas, God can do it in Pensacola. God does it in New York City, God can do it in Gulf Freeze. If God does it in LA, God can do it in Cantonment. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can't put God in a box. God can do whatever God wants to do. And God is looking for men and women of God that is say, God, this is painful. And God says, I know, I know it's full, but it's full, more than pain, it's actually full of purpose. And the thing about Nehemiah was he was the cupbearer to the king. He was positioned in a place where he could do something about it. And God's positioned you and I in the same way. He says, yes, he, my own family and I've sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying your commands, your decrees, your regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. Hey, here's something. If you didn't get anything else, this right here would be more than enough right here. This thing will smoke, cook all night. Remind God what he said. Whew. That right there, we just leave right now. Mm. Remind God what he said. God doesn't forget like you and I do. God never got COVID. He's like, I just wish I man, used to be all knowing. That's not God. God, that, that's us. God with years doesn't forget. But you know what? I read in scripture and so many times they reminded him. David remind God, you said, God, you said, watch, 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 watch. We're getting ready to close. Watch me. You got little children. Tell your little child something. Eddie gets about four or five years old. You tell Eddie, we're going to go to Walt Disney World. And you know what? You're going to go to Walt Disney World sooner than you thought. Because old Eddie not going to let you forget. He's going to remind. Mom, Dad, you said we're going to Disney World. We going tomorrow? Where are we going? 
We're going to Disney World. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Disney World. You said you promised. Parents, how many? Let's be honest. Parents, raise their hand up high. Look at this. Yeah, that was a good place to start that music right there. That's what I'm saying. Let's go, Ryan. Uh huh. You promised. Mama. Daddy. You said we're gone. We'll go tomorrow. Just shh. You've told your kid, go to a restaurant. You told your kid they can get dessert. And then you forget. Or you looked at the bank. On your, you pull up the app. You look at the app on your phone. You're like, oh, we can't do dessert tonight. We didn't do We get paid on Friday. And then your kid starts pitching a fit. You said. All right, all right. We'll stop at the grocery store on the way home. You said you promised. Nehemiah says, God, you promised. Remind God what he said. How about, how about someone? What, what if you and I started building something? Mm. What if we started building? You know, my kids and I, we, we started watching this thing called Lego Masters. And they got all these people. And they, they build these things, man. There's movement in there. They're like, make this thing move. And this dude takes Legos, blocks, bricks. And he, he makes dragons. And if that wasn't cool enough, the dragons start moving, man. And it's crazy. It's awesome, man. They give me chills thinking about it. It's like, how do you do that? Well, watch that with our kids, man. Watch this. I, I'm telling you something. God can do the impossible and he can do it through you. If you'll just be open and available. There was so much pain in Nehemiah. Nehemiah's like, daddy, you said, you said you would do this. What if like Lego masters, what if we began building and we took a brick of God's promise I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That means even though I don't feel like it today, God, because of you, because of your spirit that is in me today, I can do this. Then we grab another brick over here and we bring it over. But my God will supply all your needs. Do you have great needs? You have greater resources. You just have to claim them. They're yours. He's already promised they're yours. He already promised he'd take care of you. He promised that. Resources. What if we came over here and we grabbed another promise? We picked it. Oh, this is a big one up. We brought it over here. I'll never leave you nor forsake. God, you said you would never leave me. God, you said by your stripes we're healed. God, you said that if I would seek you, if I would knock, if I would ask, you said, remind God what he said. And Nehemiah reminds God of what God says. There's, there's a lot of pain, but could it be that God has position, positioned you for such a time as this, for such a community as this, for such a city as this? Because it's not just about filling church buildings. I think it's more about filling heaven. That's what this city needs. They need more of Jesus. This city needs more of Jesus. And you and I got a light, man. We can hide it. We can deny it like Peter did. We can let it shine like Peter did. Give him a little credit. Nehemiah, he sees, he gets a burden. And then his burden allows him to see the vision of what God has. God will allow you to go through misery because God actually has a ministry for you. When I think about this, I, you know, right here in Pensacola, man, I'm looking at two front rows and there's stories right here. There are powerful stories right here. Looking at our friends who walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet the promise is, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. That's a promise. He's with you. He's with you. Quentin Cooper has a smile. 
that is resilient. I remember the first time I met Quentin. I remember the first time. Never forget it. Chris and Trina, you guys came to Momentum. Was it 20, was it 2013? 2013. You came because a guy named Marcus Lattimore was there. Marcus came to the race the day before. I met him in the parking lot there at Gulf Breeze High School. Um, Y'all came to hear Marcus give his testimony. And um, I remember afterwards sprinting, running to meet you guys, to talk to y'all. And Quentin, man, I'm telling you what, it was a privilege to get to know him. Um, I wish so much better and so much longer. But Quentin had this dream. He had cancer. And yet cancer didn't keep him down. Cancer didn't stop him. And he, he, he was fighting cancer, but he's fighting cancer for something bigger than just himself. And we prayed, we, we prayed and we fasted and God always heals. Sometimes God says, I'm going to heal him here on earth. God says, sometimes I'm going to heal him in heaven. I want my child home. I miss him. And God saw fit because he's God. I mean, how much we love Quentin. Multiply that times billions. And God said, come on home. But even though Quentin, it makes me think of Hebrews where it talked about Abel and it says, though he was dead, he still spoke. Yeah. Because at Quentin's celebration of life, literally, I read the post the other day. I mean, over half the auditorium, and it was packed. St. Anne's packed. Over half of the people stood. They gave their life to Jesus. They stood. We prayed and we fasted. That was a three-week fast for that moment. That was breakthrough. But what I love about Quentin, what I love about Chris and Trina, is that that misery and that hurt and that pain, you allowed God to reveal his purpose. And Quentin Cooper 5K is something we've been proud of as a church to support every, every year. But the last two years, we helped sponsor it. It's time to step up. Last year, uh, Emma was in our church, right? Emmy was in our church, yeah. And um, we got to um, support and uh, sponsor all the proceeds, man, were given to her, and she's been declared cancer-free. That awesome? Praise God. And we have some very special friends of Chris and Trina right down here. I'm going to ask you guys to come on up, if you will, real quick. Tyler's here with us. Brooke, Chuck, would y'all come on up? Tyler is a freshman this year. School's almost out, buddy. Let's go, right? Can't come quick enough, can it? And uh, it's a freshman, man, Gulf Breeze High School. Look at this guy's shirt. Isn't he handsome? <laughs> Jesus is my protector. Psalm 18.2. These guys are great people. They love Jesus. They go to our friend's church, Scott and Tammy. Scott and Tammy, if you're watching, we love you. The CLC. And um, Tyler, we're proud of you, man. We're proud of you. What I want you to know, man, is this church is filled with people that pray. Um, <laughs> um, we've seen God do miracles, man. And we believe in miracles here. We believe that God answers prayer. And Tyler needs our prayer because Tyler is fighting brain cancer. And, um, and God's bigger than brain cancer. <laughs> And I know you know that because I tell the look in your eyes, man. Yeah, boy. Mm. So I'm going to allow Chris and Trina, I want them to say a few things in just a minute. But before that, um, we're going to pray for the city, man. We're going to pray for the city. And I believe with all my heart that in these dark days, God is more than willing 
to flex on our behalf. I believe in that. Brian, I look at you back there. Should have died in surgery. God did the impossible, man. Surgeon ran out in the middle of your surgery. He said, I never do this. He ran into that private room. And he said, y'all better pray now because it's going the wrong way. And we prayed. And you're here, man. You're a deacon. Robert, I remember getting a phone call when I was in Atlanta. We just started the church with Robbie. Falling off a skateboard, hitting his head. He shouldn't have been here. And oh, Robert, Pam stayed in faith, man. Wouldn't let people in the room that wouldn't believe with him. Jesus put people out of the room. He only wanted faith in the room. So many times Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Your, 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 your faith, your faith has made you whole. Faith of a child, man. You're not a little child, man. You're not a little child. You're ninth grade almost taller me, man. What's up with that? What's up with that? Uh, but we're going to pray over you right now. So I want to ask you, if you're watching online right now, the Bible encourages us, tells us, to raise our hands. Don't say every time you pray, but there's something powerful when you raise your hands and you pray. Think we're saying, God, we surrender. Think we're saying, God, you're able. I think we're saying, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that's within us. This same power, I wanna pray over our friend. Would you stretch out your arms right now? Church, I want you to pray out loud together. I see you, Doug. My buddy Doug is back there. His son is in elementary. Hit his head. Wasn't good, man. God healed him. So we remind right now, we're going to remind God of his promise right where you're at. I want you to pray out loud. We're going to take 30 seconds. Maybe it's the first time you experienced anything like this, but it's kind of like going in a restaurant, everybody eating, everyone talking, right? You don't say, shh, I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to hear. Everybody's talking and everyone can hear their own conversations. Here's a cool thing. When we pray, God can hear every word. All right? Would you stand? Would you stand? I want you to stay where you're at, but just stand. Stand, stretch out both hands. Let's lift up our prayer right now for Tyler, for Brooke, for Chuck. Let's pray over him. Jesus, we pray right now, God. We know that you are more than able to do anything. God, you said that by your stripes, we're healed. And you took 39, 40 was death. You walked all the way up to death's door, but you couldn't die because of the stripes, because it was written of how you would die. So you looked at death in the face. You did not flinch. And you took every stripe so we could take every healing. God, we have no power in and of ourselves to heal. But Jesus, you are the great healer. And beside you, there is no other. Never has been. Never will be. You're the healer. You're Jehovah Rapha. You're our God, our healer. So Spirit of the living God, do what you do best, we pray. We ask you to heal Tyler right now in the name of Jesus. God, from this cancer, we declare in the authority of Jesus that cancer has no mastery, no mastery over you, King Jesus. We remind you of what you said, God, that when two or three of us pray and agree, God, that you're right here. Lord, you said we don't have because we don't ask. So we ask tonight, God, for healing on Tyler's behalf. God, and would you take this burden? Would you take this pain? Would you take what's been misery? Lord, and would you open a door for ministry so wide that thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and even millions of people meet you in the process? And we'll give you all the honor because you deserve all the glory. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Chris and Trina, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. I think y'all want to say a few things, and then, Brooke, I'm going to let you at the end. That's actually, let's do that. Go. That's fine. Let's do that. All right. We're live. Yeah. So I just wanted to uh, tell everybody a little bit about Tyler. He will be 16 years old in 12 days. He's a smart, (laughs) happy, go-lucky kid with a heart of gold. Mm. He's always wanting to help others and never complains about what life has dealt him. He is a God-loving kid and is not afraid to tell others about God. Mm. Just before Tyler's fifth birthday, he was diagnosed with an arachnoid cyst in his brain. These are very, very common and usually coincidental findings. His was found because he had CT due to having a migraine headache for three days. Tyler started off having MRIs every three months, then went to every six months, and then eventually to annually just to determine that the cyst was stable. In September of 2016, Tyler had his routine annual MRI. However, we were called the next day and asked to come back for another scan because they found something um, on the MRI, but they they thought it was just artifact. I didn't really think much about it as getting a kid to hold still for an hour MRI is a feat in its own. (laughs) So I figured he had just moved. Mm. We were told that the second MRI, they found what they believed to be a tumor. We saw many specialists. Sorry. You're good. We saw many specialists in a short amount of time, and they concluded that we just needed to watch and wait due to the location of the tumor, which is in his thalamus gland. Biopsy was too risky, and removal was not an option. So we did the watch and wait approach. Tyler had additional medical issues in the meantime, trouble with speech, fine motor skills, short-term memory, coordination, and trouble swallowing. He underwent many procedures and tests over the next year or so. In October of 2017, we moved from Indiana, where all of our family and friends are, to Gulf Breeze. Mm. This was a move that we did not have to make. My husband was offered a job and the kids wanted to move. Looking back now, we realized that this was God's motion. It was his plan in motion. My husband had a good job in Indiana. My daughter was a junior in high school and Tyler was in sixth grade. All of our family and friends had lived near us and our life was great. I researched pediatric neurosurgeons long before I knew we would be moving to Florida. And I knew that when the time came to do something with the tumor, We wanted to be in Orlando or Miami. Even living in Indiana, those were the doctors and the facilities I wanted my kid to go to. Once we moved to Florida, we still did the watch and wait approach with the tumor as it was growing slowly. However, in October of 2020, the pediatric neurosurgeon informed us that the tumor was growing in a quicker pattern and it had more than tripled in size over the last four years we now had to biopsy. It was still very risky due to the tumor location. Biopsy could cause paralysis or even death, but he felt that this was the right decision. On October 21st of 2020, Tyler underwent a brain biopsy at Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. Tyler was in the pediatric intensive care unit for three days and recovered quickly. He only took pain medicine the day of surgery and never took it again. (laughs) Tylenol was all he would take. He's got a very high pain tolerance and is more resilient than I could ever imagine anybody being. Mm. After he was released, we made the seven hour drive home and waited for the biopsy results. The day after we returned home from Orlando, Tyler had a seizure and was admitted to Sacred Heart. They said they believed the seizure was caused by bleeding on the brain from the biopsy. He had never had a seizure before. However, he did keep the paramedics very entertained on the way to the hospital and the ambulance. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this kid is beyond resilient. On October 30th of 2020, we headed back to Orlando for results. There, we were told that he had a low-grade astrocytoma, short version, brain cancer. 90% of these tumors... Jesus. Yes. 90% of these tumors are completely curable. Yes. With surgical removal. However... There's 1% of these tumors that cannot be removed due to location, and Tyler is in that 1%. Tyler's type of tumor is malignant and will only spread to other parts of his brain and spinal cord. The doctor gave us the options of chemo or radiation and told us to go home and think about what we wanted to do. 
Now, I'm the type of person that researches everything. So that seven-hour drive home, I read case study after case study after case study. We met with a pediatric neuro-oncologist and discussed the options and discussed chemo options. After many discussions, we decided to go with chemo. Chemo's been the standard of care for numerous years for kids, and we could get the treatment done locally at Sacred Heart. Radiation on the brain is scary. There are so many variables and unknowns, and again, the location of the thalamus gland is so risky. Plus, to do the radiation, I would have to move to Orlando, as it could only be done in Orlando. It would be Monday through Friday for six weeks. My husband would have to stay here because someone has to work. <laughs> <laughs> We discussed our choice and let them know that we chose chemo. The neuro-oncologist in Orlando spoke with Dr. Schwartz here at Sacred Heart to get us started with treatments locally so we could stay home. They did allow us to wait until after Christmas so we could enjoy one normal Christmas as we had family coming to visit. Going through all of this, I was very angry and scared knowing that my baby had cancer and I can't do anything to fix it. I finally broke down and told my husband how I was feeling. I felt so alone, and I had no family here to support, and I thought maybe for the first time we'd made the wrong decision moving to Florida. My husband said, and I quote this, I think this is why God gave us this opportunity to move to Florida. He knew these were the doctors that Tyler would need, and living in Indiana, it would be almost impossible to have these doctors and this care. God knew what we were going to go through, and that is why he placed us here. Tyler started chemo in January after a rough start. He did really well for his 12-week induction cycle. We had to go back to Orlando in April for his first MRI since starting treatment. And we got the best news. Tyler's tumor had shrunk. The chemo was working. The doctor did inform us that some shrinkage was from the biopsy itself, but that the chemo was working. She did tell us it would probably be the only time we would see, see shrinkage as chemo was used to keep the tumor stable so it doesn't continue to grow. So we continue with chemo. After not being able to have chemo for the last eight weeks due to his blood counts being low and having to be isolated, he finally started his maintenance stage of chemo two weeks ago. He will get chemo every week for four weeks and then have two weeks off. We do this for 48 weeks, so just under a year. We do have to go back to Orlando every three months for scans to see the doctor there, but as long as the tumor remains stable, we can continue with this treatment. I do believe that everything happens for a reason. Just because Tyler's diagnosis, just before Tyler's diagnosis, I started a new job that has now become a family during this time. They have been such a great support system and have been so gracious with me having to take time off to care for Tyler. God knew I was going to need this army and he put this job in my lap. Mm. Again, not having family here makes this very difficult to do on our own. Tyler cannot be left alone, and he has to stay very isolated. He's not able to attend school, and I think that's the hardest thing for him. He always says he's fine, even as he's getting sick from chemo. He's such a strong kid, and one of the major reasons that I am able to get through this. The other reason is because I know so many people are not just praying for Tyler, but they're praying for our family. Absolutely. People we have never met and probably never will meet are praying for my kid. But I truly believe that there is power in numbers and God is listening to every single prayer. Yes. So please keep praying. We truly appreciate every single prayer. Mm. Childhood cancer happens everywhere. In 2018, an estimated 15,590 children were diagnosed with cancer in the United States. Globally, it is estimated that 300,000 plus new cases of cancer affect children each year. However, this number may be vastly underestimated due to large numbers of undiagnosed cases. Every day in the U.S., 43 children ages 0 to 19 are diagnosed with cancer. Childhood cancer is the leading cause of death by disease in children under the age of 19 in the U.S. And despite these facts, childhood cancer research is consistently underfunded. Only 4% of the billions of dollars that the government spends annually on cancer research is directed toward childhood cancer research. More than 95% of these childhood cancer survivors has, have significant health-related issues because of the current treatment options. We have to advocate for all of these kids and families. 
Our kids are the future, and if they aren't getting the funding to have better treatment options, what kind of future do we have? These kids deserve better. And I know that most people think I'm just one person. I can't make a difference in such a large issue. But let me tell you that that is not true. Our family is proof of that. One person can make a difference. Yes. We are only standing here today because one person wanted to make a difference. Quentin Cooper is continuing to make a difference every day. Mm -hmm. His parents have carried on his wish of continuing the 5K to help a family in the community who is battling this terrible disease. And a portion of those proceeds of the 5K go to the chosen family, and a percentage goes back into cancer research. Of course, the proceeds come from so many amazing people and businesses, but it is all because one person wanted to make a difference. There are no words to say how much we appreciate everything that everyone has done for us, whether it's just a text or call, to see how things are going, or to bring us dinner or praying for us or to the hundreds of people that showed up for the Quentin Cooper Liver Life 5K. I was absolutely speechless at how this community came together to support our family. Again, people that never even knew us. Trina and Chris have been such a support system and blessing to us, and I am beyond thankful that they have been strong enough to carry on their son's wish of helping other kids and families in this fight by continuing the 5K. Mm -hmm. I hope and pray every day that no other family needs this resource. However, I know that's not the reality. We will continue to fight this ugly disease and we will continue to pray that somewhere right now, there's a brilliant kid in college that is working on a new surgical, surgical technique that will be able to remove Tyler's tumor in the future. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for everything that you have done for us. So, um, this was year nine for our um, 5K, and we couldn't do it without Momentum, our other sponsors. There's so many that are here, and we just are blessed to be able to carry on what Quentin wished. Um, in nine years, we've raised probably over, probably over $100,000 to give to families. Yeah. It's awesome. And, yeah. It's awesome. So awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and it, it's truly Quentin's heart. Quentin's, Quentin's heart is what wanted to carry it on, and that's what we want to do. And we just want to continue to be the change for families. We know your walk, and we know it's hard, but God's with you. And just like we said before it started, you know, God will use your story in so many ways. And so, these are for you, Brooke. Yes. Yeah. And then... We are super excited to present y'all <laughs> with a check for $15,000 that we raised. Yeah. You're welcome. We just thank God because we know that God makes it happen. Um, and he sends our sponsors and people to sign up every year um, to make a difference. And so it's just a blessing for us to be able to bless a family. That's what it means to us. And so thank you for allowing us to love on y'all. So good. So good. I will. Uh, yeah, great message by Tim. It uh, kind of fell right in line. This, was, uh, this wasn't prepared in advance. Right. Um, yesterday, day before, we were like, hey, we're trying to present this check. Can you guys help us out and maybe do this at the, at the gathering? And of course, it was like, you know, hey, we're for the city, and this is what our message about. It's perfect timing. So thank you so much for that, Tim. Thank you, Momentum, for being a sponsor. Thank you guys for being involved in it. Um, you know, and I'll just go into a couple of the notes that I had from today. It's uh, there is purpose in my pain. And, uh, and, and some days we na- may not know what that purpose is, but as we stay obedient to God, it will be revealed. It's good. Um, and and it's everything good. that we do with, this, with our 5K is all about God. It's not yeah. about us. It's not about momentum. I know momentum is the same way. Yeah. We're all about God's glory yes. with this. Yes, one and, name. Uh, and the one thing that we have that is a takeaway that Tim's talked about many times is that God takes something that the enemy meant for evil and turns it to good. Yes. So, uh, we would like to, uh, you know, once again, congratulate you guys. Thank you for, for being a part of this with us. 
And thank you guys for being a part of it with us as well. Yeah, thank you're you so, so welcome. Love you guys. Yeah, let's... Uh, We honor you guys. I want y'all to know we're here for you. Going to continue to pray for this city. That's one person at a time. One person at a time. The question I want you to leave with and think about is what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Because whatever it is that breaks your heart, I think breaks God's heart. And I think God positions us on purpose so that we can do something about it. I love you guys. It's a, it's a holy gathering. Appreciate y'all being here. Thank you so much. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, we love you. And I just pray that for every one of us watching online, every one of us here in the gatherings, God, that... Lord, that we would be reminded, Lord, that, that there is pain in my purpose. God, that you'd never waste my pain. And God, that you leverage my pain for your purpose. And God, I just want to end with saying thank you that, that you have the final say. We thank you for all the doctors and nurses and surgeons and the medical field and community. God, thank you so much. What a gift. But God, we realize, Lord, that you and you alone have the final say. So Lord, I pray this week that you would burden our heart with what burdens yours. Allow us to see the hurt that you see. So much so that maybe we have to sit so we can really see what it is you're trying to show us. We prayed in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we never like to end a gathering without giving you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life, to make you new, and to teach you how to live. Scripture tells us that, that our sin separated us from God, but God, who is rich in love, while we were sinners, he died for us, and he died because he is for us. That means he's for you. And even if you think, how oh, God couldn't be for me. God's not for me. He's for you. And he died for you. And the proof is in his death, his burial. And the proof of his love is in the resurrection. So scripture says that if we would but look to him, we would live says that if we would call on the name of the Lord, we would be saved, we'd be rescued, we'd be forgiven, power washed from our sins. And so right now, I wanna lead us in that prayer. I'd invite you to pray along with us. We'll pray out loud for those who will pray it for the first time. Would you repeat after me? We're talking to God. Would you say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I need a savior. Thank you for loving me for dying for me, for bleeding for me, for rising again for me. I give you my life. I receive your life. Now teach me how to live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that, real simple, we don't want to embarrass you. We do have a gift for you, and we do want to help you as you continue to follow Jesus. So if you're here in the gathering, if you'd simply raise your hand on the count of three. If you're watching online, if you just text us the word Jesus, text us this number, 866-513-1270. Jesus. The count of three, if you're here, if you'd hold it up, we're gonna celebrate your decision and we're gonna close out the gathering. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Would you hold a hand up high? Would you hold it up high?